Good morning and welcome to the Mr. Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Matra. It is the morning after day one of the NFL Draft. Here to talk about that is noted Avengers in-game enthusiast, Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Great. How was the movie? The movie was great. The movie was uh, much better, I think, than sitting around watching names be called on TV, which, like, is the most sports ball thing to say about about the draft and i love watching the draft but i liked watching a movie more i'm just gonna be honest i watched the draft the draft sucks as like a thing to watch it's wonderful as like something on in the background while you're doing something else oh yeah it's the best which is why i miss it being all day two days you know <laughs> right i do not i like to want to condense my draft into like a couple hours on a thursday night oh, fair um, which the Avengers in game. Uh, what, what was the runtime on that? Three hours and two minutes. The draft was still going when we got out of it, though, because we went and saw it early enough. Okay, and and did they need every bit of that 182 minutes? Uh, you know, I think they could safely have trimmed a solid 11 or 15 minutes, but it, it was actually, I mean, Jamie, they have, I know you're not big into these movies, but they have like 40 characters that have any kind of sort of a story arc. And trying to service any of them, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It's pretty much a whole season of TV in, like, one movie. Yeah, I was going to say Game of Thrones does it. But now that I think of it, they've done it over the course of, like, 80 hours. Exactly. It's, 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 it, it's a really – I'm – you know, I like the movies because the movies are fun. I like the movies because my kids like the movies. I like the movies because I liked the comics as a kid. But I also – part of why I like the movies is just because – it's unlike anything I've ever seen attempted before, and I can't believe how consistently they pull it off. Well, you're a huge dork. And yes. Congratulations that being that is cool. Now. That that is that is the uh, the 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 rest of my row. So to my left was my my you know two kids and my wife, and then to my right was just a string of fifteen and sixteen year old girls who were screaming. They were sobbing. They were. Uh, literally screaming yes queen at the screen it was it was uh it was a little different than seeing batman in 1989 yes queen that's actually one of my favorite like text reactions um these movies should have come out when i was in high school when i could have enjoyed them now i just don't give a shit i feel like you would have hung out outside the movie theater and like beaten up the people who were enjoying them <laughs> okay moving on the redskins draft the redskins draft by all accounts at least the first round was a mega success I agree with that. Like, I'm super more excited to be a Redskins fan now than I was this time yesterday. Haskins at 15, new franchise quarterback. Sweat at 26, new edge rusher supreme. Uh, I have a couple qualifiers. Like, it's not like a 10 out of 10, or maybe it's a 10 out of 10, but the way they got there, I'm not giving, like, the Redskins front office slash owner effusive praise. Uh, but before we get to my qualifiers and we go pick by pick, uh, what were your thoughts? So I, I, my thoughts on a macro level are the same as yours. Um, but I was, I actually thought they did even better than you did because when I got out of the movie, um, I, I hadn't like launched a draft tracker app or anything. Um, so I just opened the web browser and typed in draft figuring that like the first thing it returned would be, you know, whoever had the best draft tracker running. Um, and I clicked on it without looking closely. And I did not realize that what it was showing me was yet another mock draft. So the first thing I thought was that the Redskins <laughs> had gotten Haskins, but had traded up to third overall to do yes. it. And this I was wonderful. Like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond furious. Like I told myself as, as I was thinking about, 
the, you know, what I would think of the draft. I was like, okay, if they trade up for anything, anything at all, I'm going to hate it. And other than that, I'm willing to consider. So I saw that and I was like furious. And then when I found out what really happened, I was like, Hey, that's, a, that's actually pretty good. I love, I love your tale of, of using the internet and a smartphone as I perceive like, like baby boomers to use their phones. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, I might as well have been, except that in my experience, baby boomers like to talk to their phones. They really get into Alexa. So like I would have been standing in the lobby shouting at my phone. You know, what is the status of the NFL draft? That kind of thing. Okay. Great. So, so the Haskins thing, I think we were conditioned collectively in a similar fashion to like your little experience there where you thought the skins had traded up. Yeah. Like I, everyone thought if the Redskins were going to get Haskins, who was the second best or second rated quarterback in the draft after Kyler Murray, who was the obvious number one pick. Everyone thought they were going to have to trade up. There was reports of Snyder, you know, standing on the table, such sitting on a phone book saying, I want to trade up for Haskins. Um, but so that he slid and everything broke perfectly for them to, to, to get him at 15 without spending any more draft capital makes it that much greater that they got Haskins. And you're, you're omitting one part of the story, which was that there was also the pervasive rumor that the guy they wanted wasn't Haskins, but was uh, Daniel Jones, who, I mean, uh, like, uh, you know, we, we don't we don't really joke. We don't really present ourselves as people who, like, break down the tape. Um, but even just what few highlights I've seen of Daniel Jones were horrible. What I've read about Daniel Jones was horrible. Like, I really did not want that guy on the team. Um, so, again, like, it was almost like they anchored us with the worst possible scenario, and then anything else just would have seemed like right. a win. Right. And, by the way, Daniel Jones, who I, I, did, I did not want, and here's how little I know about, you know, college football players and draft prospects. It wasn't until yesterday that I thought Daniel Jones was African-American. Hmm. I didn't even consider it. Um, I just, I think I saw a picture of him or I like a Duke game flashed on my screen at some point, And I had a picture in my head of who Daniel Jones was. And then they brought Daniel Jones out and I was like, Oh, that's like the Eli Manning doppelganger. Who's now going to be the giants draft bust. Yeah. See for me, as soon as I heard Duke quarterback, I just uh, pictured like the whitest creature on the planet. So yeah. Well, well his, his, by the way, uh, the ringer draft analysis, the comp for Daniel Jones is Blake Bortles. Wow, that's that's good. What the ringer, the ringer also had of their top 100 draft prospects. Daniel Jones was at number 100 only because they felt the need to account for him. So when the top 100 actually happened, they knew he was going to go in the top 100 and they wanted him to you know, be a, a plus one for them. Yeah, uh, they, they were they were super low on him. They were the lowest on him of anyone. But nobody seemed really high on him like did you see it it doesn't matter what did what did the ringer comp for uh haskins i'll 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 look that up i don't know but i mean the fact that the giants took him at six just made it so that whoever whatever the redskins took a quarterback at 15 was gonna look awesome well the 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 giants also really helped the redskins out because they are setting levels of just idiocy in roster building that like even the Redskins haven't touched. They were in one of my, one of my fantasy leagues. There's, you know, the one guy who's a, a diehard Giants fan and who, you know, uh, has likes to mock the Redskins fans over the years. And we all woke up this morning to in the in the fantasy football offseason to like an eight paragraph email being like to save you all the time. Bruce Allen is no longer the worst GM in the NFL. And then like this extended rant, like Giants fans are pissed. 
<laughs> Haskins comp is this is a great comp. Meat shades of medium sized Ben Roethlisberger, and also Nick Foles. <laughs> but those those guys seem totally different that. to me. <laughs> I know. I love that. I love that comp. It's great. Um, it's creative. Well, well so- also credit for the cross racial, com- the double cross racial comparison. Real rarity there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, a bunch of thoughts. I mean, first of all, I, I was also conditioned to like this pick because our top two quarterbacks have broken legs, and our third quarterback is Case Keenum, who is a, a kind of like it's Case Keenum dictionary definition of like fill in veteran quarterback while the younger guy is getting groomed. If you have a younger guy. We really needed a younger guy. I was going to be thrilled with whoever they picked. The fact that they got a top 10 value quarterback at 15. Um, you know, th- I mean, this is exactly what you need to do. You have to take a swing at getting our version of, I don't know, fill in the blank, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, like the first round quarterback talent who can be a good NFL quarterback on a rookie contract and change your franchise. Yeah, I, it, it was, they were also helped. I think by the fact that so many of the other picks that went before them knocked out the other things that, that they could have considered taking that like, it really came down to Haskins or uh, what's the guy's name? Burns. Um, Oh, they went one pick later to uh, the FSU linebacker. I think he went one pick later to Carolina. Exactly. And so like uh, they almost, one of the ways you screw up a draft is by, you know, the old, here's who was taken ahead of Derwin James. And then your guys on that list. And like, uh, I felt like they made the smart pick. I felt like they made the good pick. I agree with you. I think they're also in hindsight, they really had to do it because they had to have two or three viable rosterable quarterbacks um, who combined cost like less than half of what Alex Smith costs just because of the right. cap situation. So yeah, no, it was there. Are three quarterbacks are now 30 million. Yeah. I think for this year. Yeah, and, and that's what, that's what they had to do. So, I mean, you, you have to give them credit, to be honest. Like I was, I was really expecting to get on this podcast today and just do our usual doom and gloom, snark at the front office, snark at everybody. But like, they've seemed to have handled the draft as well as one could have hoped. I mean, the only way they could have fucked this up is to like actively, aggressively fuck it up. Like right, like, which is what they jump, do: jump up the draft board, like like trade up to get the same guy who they could have gotten at fifteen. That's the only way they could have fucked this. But up. I do it's feel such like, an obvious, obvious, obvious pick. I do feel like, like that's I, what I, Snyder. I, does. I, I'm, I'm both thrilled and also like unwilling to give credit. I'm willing to give credit because I feel like if if the rumors had been true and if Snyder had taken control of the draft board, they would have traded up and they would have gotten Dwayne Haskins, and it would have been idiotic. Um, but instead. Right they were able to stay pat and get, uh, get him where he was. And at that point, as we keep saying, like, I'm fine with it. And and if you let the draft come to you and then you make the smart pick, that seems like the way to build a team, you know? Could you imagine being the giants or giants fan? And like, they took Daniel Jones at six when they had another pick available. I think that 17 was also the giants and they probably could have gotten him then. And also drew luck never never was not drafted in the first round and was probably higher rated higher regarded than daniel jones i, I and then their later picks were bad wild. did you see what did you see what yeah. barnwell tweeted about the giants his like evolving giants tweet no he, he was he was tracking over the course of the draft and he's like oh they traded odell beckham for or, or no they gave up landon collins and i forget which other two guys and then they traded odell beckham for the replacement for and it was one of those guys and then 
he updated it to point out that they have now drafted the two replacements for those guys, and then it was all three of those guys. So basically they traded Odell Beckham for the picks and the player that became the replacements for the players that they gave up, um, but probably not as good. It was it, – poor Barnwell. <laughs> it's just wild. Also, like, there's a viral video of, like, Haskins reacting to the Giants taking Jones at six, and he's just kind of, like, staring blankly at his phone, and then he kind of, like, smiles and shakes his head. I think it was a very appropriate reaction, but Ravel tweeted something interesting, which is that like him sliding from six to 15 cost Haskins about $10 million. And I, I mean, any extra motivation you can give a guy who is already regarded as the second best quarterback in the draft, who tore it up at Ohio state, who's all the measurables are there. It was two time academic, all American, like who knows if he's going to be good, but I just feel like all of this lined up to me feeling pretty wonderful about how you know the what who the Redskins got a quarterback well and it's also if you go back to the mock drafts in like January or at least December maybe by January things had started to turn but I mean Haskins was the surefire lock odds on number one overall pick and you know situations change opinions change everything changes but having a guy who was at any point legitimately considered that by real outlets not just by you know fans of Ohio Mm -hmm. State Mm-hmm. It's there's something to that. I mean, it's 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 the best case scenario for that is like an Aaron Rodgers, where it's a guy where they're like, is he going to go number one overall? Who knows? Might be him. Might be the other guy. Then he falls, and then he turns out mm-hmm. to be great. I mean, it's it, there, there's a lot of potential here. It's a very exciting one, and we haven't even talked about the second number one pick. Well, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to unload the notebook here on Haskins. Oh, I, I don't like the Ohio State factor. I feel like it just, I don't really like anything Ohio State. Never have. That's fair. <laughs> don't. Don't plan on it. Um, interesting factoid. First Big Ten quarterback taken in the first round since, I think, Kerry Collins almost 25 years ago. God, what is what, Kerry, how is that possible? What is Kerry Collins doing right now? Drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. That's, that, that's a bad, bad joke. I, mean, I think he might be an alcoholic. I'm sorry. Yeah, I believe he was. I believe he went into recovery. I thought it was actually cough syrup or something, uh, not just alcohol. Um, yeah but yeah well anyway how does that's the big how does the like the second best conference in the country not produce a first round quarterback for two decades because the gap between the first best conference and the second best conference might as well fill like contain like seven different conferences true um also the other thing the other note item from the notebook is uh like the kind of local boy factor that he went to high school where do you go to bullets bullets yeah uh, snyder's kid yep um I don't know how I feel about that. Like it's being played up as like, Oh, that's great. Like, you know, he's going to play for the hometown team, but think about his experience as a Redskins fan. Like when he was like, whatever junior high, high school, it was like the RG three era. How fucked up was that? And before that he was like suffering through like Zorn and Campbell, like the, the Matt Turrell era. <laughs> and we, we all suffered through the Matt Turrell era together. Like, I suffer like, through it every like, day. Is he really a Redskins fan? And if so, why? Uh, probably not. But I mean, there's, to me, there's a certain element of who cares there because every guy who signs with every team is either like, Oh, this team had a player who I looked up to for the Redskins. It's always Sean Taylor or, uh, you know, even though I grew up in Michigan, I, I was always secretly a Seattle fan or whatever. They just say it. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Sure. sure. I, I guess I'm just thinking like at first I was like, oh, that's awesome. He gets to play for his favorite team. And then I, I kind of went a little deeper and was like, he's probably thinking anywhere but here. <laughs> it, it depends on what his relationship was with Dan Snyder's kid. And it couldn't have been too bad because otherwise he wouldn't be here. I mean. 
Is it possible that Daniel Snyder's kid is cool? Um, I don't know. The mention of Daniel Snyder's kid being at Bullis was mind-blowing to me because when I was in the Matt era, which was like 10 years ago now uh, or more, no. Yeah, started. it's about 10 years ago now. And uh, he wasn't somebody who would have been in high school. So realizing that Daniel Snyder's kid has continued to age um, while I have not mm-hmm. seen him um, was startling. Also, I should point out that uh, Bullis is in the zip code that I technically grew up in. Um, and that, that, so I already feel closer to the guy. Now I was right on the edge of that zip code cause it's a real snotty zip code and I was not in the real snotty section of it, but um, yeah, it's nice. It's a real hometown guy for me. Well, Dwayne Hoskins excited about that. Unwilling to, still unwilling to give credit, but excited about that. And I'm really excited about Montez Sweat. Like another guy who uh, was, much more highly regarded than his eventual draft position. Uh, went 26 to the skins. Uh, one of these like freak of nature uh, pass rusher got like he's six, six two sixty, with a four, four one forty, which is faster than Odell Beckham. Uh, so, and he also like he produced, it wasn't just like a, like a combine guy. I think he had 23 sacks over the last two seasons at Mississippi state and the sec. Um, so yeah, just by all accounts, an impact player at 26. Yeah. I mean, there were headlines for the, it was like the draft grades were all sort of a, some were even a plus there's like, you know, ready to start. Somebody said nearly perfect. It was, it was, it seems like a really good pick. I, do you have any qualms about giving up the extra second rounder for him? Well, this is what I was about to say. Like if you have the 26th pick in the draft, you're thrilled getting that value at 26 but in theory i don't like trading two mid-round second rounders to move up into the late first round like especially for a bad team it's not like the redskins are one player away so why i mean like so i don't know just the theory of like i would rather have two solid like theoretically you're getting two solid starters in the second round i mean who, who knows maybe one's a bust maybe one's a hall of famer but you're getting two good players instead of one it's, it's theoretically, but if you look back at the Redskins second rounders over the last several years, I mean, uh, even excluding Darius Geis, who, you know, the jury's still out because of injury. Um, the, most of them haven't been starters. They have not used those picks. Great. Um, there's also the argument. But does that matter? I mean, does that like I don't I don't quite get like just because the Redskins second rounders have sucked doesn't mean the second round picks don't have value to the Redskins. So the argument would be if you believe that this guy is a genuine like top 10 level talent and you're getting him with the equivalent of two set, well, not the equivalent with two second round picks um, that, that it's worth it that, that to have a surefire hit is better than to have one solid guy and one bust. It, so I guess I guess that's the thing. Like, but there's sure. no sure things in the draft, and like I don't know. I just I'd rather have more picks, especially more like top 100 picks than than less. Especially you know when it's not like they traded two second rounders and they moved up into the top 10. Like they're in the very bottom of the first round. Except that I, all of all of that said, like I'm really thrilled to have him. I I kind of respect the aggressiveness of the move. I just question the approach. I I sort of question it unless they genuinely genuinely. 100% believe that he was top 10 or even right. top five value at that point. Right, right. I mean, it's totally worth it. And it's also, we talked a little um, about what is valuable to the current administration, which is 
immediate production because next year's pick may not matter to these people at all. So from that perspective, they giving up the second for a first rounder this year is makes a hundred percent sense. And if those guys are like, well, it's not going to be my second round pick next year, unless this guy is great, in which case right. fine. Um, it it well, makes sense to me. I, well, I had no problem. Well, who knows it. who's running anything over there, but yeah, if you're like the J on the Jay Gruden side of like clocks ticking, we yeah. need to show the results, then you're thrilled <laughs> trading next year's second rounder. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, if that's what, if that's who it is and that's what they're doing, I would then sit around and trade this year's third rounder and, you know, next year's third rounder for another second rounder or something like that. Like I would just, I guess like, I'm just thoughtful about like, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with the two guys they got. And part of why I guess I'm thrilled with it also is like, I'm just sitting there like doing some work, you know, busting out t-shirts and uh, I look up and the Redskins are on the clock at 26 I was like, did I miss something? Did they have two first rounders? And it was like, oh no, we get a surprise pick because they traded up. And oh my gosh, it's the guy that we were talking about taking at fifteen. Um, that was that was wonderful. But like, wouldn't we be? I don't know about just as happy, but wouldn't we be pretty fucking happy if the Redskins had taken Sweat or say Burns at fifteen and then traded their second rounder, like they did, for Josh Rosen? Are you're assuming that they could do that, but also at this point, I am. I am assuming that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so, but I, I think, I don't know. I mean, there's also the element of uh, fifth year of team control for first rounders, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Well, well, I mean, there's the matter of like one less year of Rosen, because um, he burned through one with his rookie contract with the Cardinals, and the matter of, uh, you know, on the. And maybe him not being as good of a prospect as Haskins. Haskins. I mean, he went higher last year, but he had a bad rookie year with the Cardinals, where it was a bad situation as well. I don't. I don't know. There's the matter of like which guy's better, and who really knows. But then also, pretty tangible thing is that in that scenario, they're not giving up next year's second rounder as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm real. Uh, immediate gratification. What's the word I'm thinking of? Like, I much rather millennial. Yes, I'm I'm a millennial who uses my phone like a baby boomer. Uh, yeah, we're big on the generational like uh, pigeonholing today. It's weird, and we're right in the middle of those two. I don't, I... Well, that's what's the weirdest is that I identify incredibly strongly with Generation X, like really strongly, like embarrassingly strongly. So yeah. th- this is this is just shattering my view of myself. But no one cares you're, about that. You're basically just like. Ethan Hawke and reality bites at all times walking through life with like your cardigan and greasy hair and cigarettes and yeah at all times god how I wish that just sounds like the way to roll through my 40s um, <laughs> I, I'm also warm towards Montez Sweat for the Mississippi State thing because I just like I loved I loved Fred Smoot so much and I just it, it, it just makes me happy on that alone you know, it's, it's that simple. Honestly, that, that, that is something. It's, it's, that's not nothing. I have my Smoot jersey. I saw Sweat shouted out Smoot in a post-game or whatever interview. Um, I think Smoot might have been like hyping Sweat leading up to the draft, which also makes me happy. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I'm sure somewhere, uh, hopefully Steins is, is, you know, transcribing away. I'm sure somewhere Smoot has a terrific – um, a terrific rant on um, uh, on sweat. I'm sure of it. An incredible draft for Steins. You know, if you if all you care about is like digital web traffic, 
that's it. That's I guess a double. I could have just said web traffic. Um, last night was great for you. Um, I think it's been great for you too, though. I felt like I thought of you with sweat. I just, you know, going to make you sweat till you bleed. I just, I, I don't know. I feel like they're out there, you know, like sweat puns are going to be great on t-shirts. Yeah. You know, it's actually, it's harder to sell t-shirts than you might think. I, I, I would think it would be very hard to sell t-shirts as <laughs> speaking as someone who mainly buys like plain, uh, solid color t-shirts at, at, you know, on the clearance rack at big box stores, I would think it would be very hard to sell t-shirts. Uh, do you actually wear plain tees? Like no logo? Uh, I wear a lot of plain tees with no logo. There's very few logos that I really enjoy wearing. I think, I think that's, that's suspicious. <laughs> well, it's also, it is literally following on the heels of saying that I'm Generation X. It is about the most Generation X thing I could possibly have said. True. Yeah, you can't hang a sign on me, man. That's right, man. If, you're, if I'm going to advertise for you, you got to pay me for the privilege, man. Um, anything else? Yeah, I feel like I've already overdone it on like being quasi-critical on a, on a morning when I was pretty thrilled with the results. What about just sweatshirt? Uh, anyway um <laughs> what if what if we just put out a blank sweatshirt and called it a sweatshirt oh that'd be amazing you just put out a, a a blank sweatshirt with a very small you know the guy whatever his number winds up being on it and then everybody knows it's a sweatshirt we can do it on burgundy oh that'd be amazing you use yeah. use the uh, redskins font it'd be terrific i don't know i i left feeling not critical at all now they can easily screw up the rest of the draft um and then we can be super critical and and that'll be fun well they can't screw up the second round Unless you argue they already have. Yeah. Uh, they do have two third rounders, which makes the no second rounder thing a little sweeter. Right. And plus you can use one of those third rounders if you really need, or both of them to get back into the second, if there's somebody sitting there that you really want. And then you'll have the same thing to complain about tomorrow, but with one number higher. Well, so this is my issue with, I guess supporting my, my argument about like not trading two second rounders for sweat is I was listening to the Redskins talk pod this morning and they were kind of like, what do you, what do we need with our two third rounders? And I think Mitchell was like, uh, you know, I want, I want a guard and I don't know, whatever, a linebacker and probably not a linebacker. They're pretty good at linebacker. Um, they're pretty good at the front seven overall, by yeah. the way, at yeah. this point. <laughs> um, oh, maybe it's a tight end. I think it was a guard and a tight end. We really we just, we got nothing there. We really need to bolster those two. And then JP's like receivers, receivers, receivers. And then Pete is like, really need a safety man. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So basically we've named like three, you know, eighths of the units uh, on the field. We, yes. Uh, but what you have to believe is that having what, – what you have to believe they believe is that having half of those guys who are genuine NFL starter caliber or better is better than having all eight of those positions ha- who are, you know – kind of okay-ish and basically no better than the flotsam we currently have yeah i i I don't know i mean i think you have to get a receiver whether that's a a good receiving tight end or a wide receiver but i mean they've they're just so depleted you know i mean hopefully they have a running game this year it's pretty exciting they've got haskins and geis coming into the year uh but those are both pretty unknown quantities commodities and you've got no receivers yeah, although you know they're, they're, they don't have to solve everything this year. I I'm okay. Sure. Maybe Richardson comes back healthy and is 
you know, acceptable. Maybe Trey Quinn turns out to be acceptable. You know, who knows? I, 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 I'm not going to claim. I, my problem is I know what positions they need to fill. It's the same positions they've needed to fill for what feels like a decade and a half now. But I don't. I don't. I haven't chewed the tape on the guys who are available today, man. That's that's what we're going to have to do today. Is just grind. I just feel. I feel like we're going to watch a lot of all twenty-two. Just me and you, all twenty-two, all day. Going to grind that tape. And but I just feel like they need help on the offensive side of the ball at this point. Yes. You know, they don't have. They're they're pretty thin on the line. They've got no receivers. They've got a rookie quarterback and a couple veteran quarterbacks, um, both of whom would need, need help. Um, and they've got guys, you're not quite sure what it is, but they, I, you know, you have to put points on the board. And I don't think they're capable with the current set. Well, the uh, nice thing is there's very few positions whereby if they took best available, literally just the best player available, where right. they would be, you know, tripling up on themselves. G- good point. I mean, at the, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, best available probably is the right strategy. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it breaks. But uh, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, – I'm going to miss tonight's draft because it's my daughter's variety show at school, which is just like Avengers Endgame, only longer and with worse special effects. How many grades are involved? Uh, all of them. It's a, it's a, an elementary school. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that's tough because it's not just your kid. It's like all the kids. No. Now, the flip side is this is one where I can reasonably, acceptably keep a draft tracker up on my phone, unlike in the movie theater. But um, yeah, so what, so you can't keep the draft tracker up on your phone in the theater. It's frowned upon. I think the uh, the screaming 15 year old girl next to me probably would have torn my arm off. You can't go like the dim lit screen. the screen only gets so dim yeah yeah Yeah. true good point i have have one more thing i want to say on the draft before we move on uh i guess it's with the addition of sweat but i didn't realize i guess like how i don't want to this is probably laying out too thick like how loaded the defense is you know because not only did they have allen and Payne from the last couple drafts but who look at who they've added this offseason like they've got Landon Collins now and sweat. And I, I mean, the Ruben Foster thing's pretty gross, but he's there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. Like, like suddenly, I don't know they've got a pretty, pretty high caliber defense. It certainly appears that way. I mean, you figure the front seven looks great. Uh, arguably great. I feel like I forgot someone too. I mean, of course they've got like Kerrigan and Norman. Well, and they've got, yeah, Norman was the one. So, so if the front seven is looks really good and you've added Collins and I think we can agree that Norman is at worst a you know decent NFL cornerback at absolute worst I mean that that's I don't remember the last time I felt comfortable with nine of the starting spots on defense I guess you could say with sweat that he's really just replacing Preston Smith Both yeah, but did, guys. did you ever think that Preston Smith was like a ga- a significant game changer, you well, know. He did a, you, I, well, he was a second round pick, and he had like brief flurries of game changing play, you know, where he'd get like six sacks in four games or something. Uh, I what really shook my. I thought he was a pretty average player overall, but I think what really shook me was that he got so much money in free agency. Well, and so there. So then we're back then to the discussion of trading two second round picks. If 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 you got a Preston Smith and. You know, let's say you hit on the other position. Let's say you got an equivalent guard, right? Uh, you know, an adequate 
a starting guard that never made a Pro Bowl, it was fine, and then, you know, whatever, wouldn't you rather have a superstar version of Preston Smith than having the two adequate guys? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so you're assuming for the purposes of this conversation that they believe that Sweat is a superstar compared to what would have been a Preston Smith with the second round pick. I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm really, really okay with it. I don't think the cost was too high. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. So here's the big question is it's, it's a planning question. It's our next production meeting. Should we, should we reconvene to discuss the, the picks tonight, tomorrow? No. No, I don't. I don't think we should put it on ourselves to podcast on a weekend when almost literally no one's listening. That's a valid point. Then the downside to that, though, is then you need to give your Game of Thrones prediction now because the people have quite literally demanded it. I don't know if I have a prediction. Do you have a prediction? Do you have something in mind? I don't have anything specific in mind. I guess so. Here's the easy one: uh, mild, not mild. Spoilers for this season of Game of Thrones. Uh, so hang up now if you don't want to do it. Uh, we think a lot of people are going to die. We think they're going to face off against the uh, the Night King, right? Mm-hmm. So where do you think? What is the status quo in general at the end of the episode? Is the war ongoing? Have the good guys been sent in retreat have the bad guys been vanquished where 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 do you think things stand at the end of the episode um i think the night king is dead for real like not undead like whatever walking among the living but dead dead he's vanquished uh as is his whole army because i think that's how it works right isn't that that's what that is part of the canon right that is what they seem to be claiming That, that and that is certainly the way our heroes are planning um but i think so many of our heroes are gonna die uh and and after last week i'm okay with that like last week was such an awesome like tying up the bow episode for so many different characters that like if brienne of tarth and jamie sir jamie both died two characters that you know i've really enjoyed i'm okay with that at this point you know um i think they did a really good job of that with like i don't know eight different characters eight different like primary and secondary characters across the board yeah, they really did. They, they, I agree with everything you're saying. So you think that the sort of the battle against the undead sort of wraps up this week and then the back half of the season is the remaining living people hashing out the success. Well, the yeah, because I just don't feel like the Night King and that whole like side of the wall is terribly interesting. You know, like, let's deal with that and then let's wrap this up with all the characters and kind of the palace intrigue that we've been you know, that's gripped us for, you know, eight seasons. And that's where the logistics get weird for me is because to have that, you need a certain number and a certain number of specific characters to survive this week to make the battle of the living in the palace intrigue portion Mm -hmm. compelling, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because obviously Cersei's great, but that Euron Greyjoy guy is just, he's the worst. Yeah. He's got to get in the sea. Yeah. He's just, he's just terrible. So, I, my prediction then is I think that the battle doesn't quite resolve. I think that um, maybe there's, there's, you know, they beat like a mini boss, but they don't beat the Night King. And I think we get one more week of battle against the undead. And then the last two episodes uh, are the wrap up with the, the living against the living. That's my prediction. I am sad, though, that like these people aren't going to be in my life anymore. Um, 
that's how I felt with Mad Men when Mad Men wrapped. And it was like, I'm never going to see like another, I'm never going to get like another one liner from Roger Sterling. <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of sad. Which is, I mean, not to just keep citing Ringer podcast, but that's that's Andy Greenwald's big thing is is that these are like the people that you bring in your house every week and you hang out with. And like, you just like having them around. I totally agree. It's going to be sad when they're gone, which for some people who have hearts and aren't just cruel savages like you, uh, that's that's how Avengers Endgame felt, too. Well, I think it's different though with the show, especially a show that you don't binge watch because it is like you, a regular like weekly visit, like like off and on for a decade we've spent time with these characters like every week for an hour and that's how you know Mad Men was or Breaking Bad or any show that you've watched as it aired like on linear television and that's another thing I'm gonna miss is like this might be the last show like that I don't really watch any other shows that are on cable or network television I uh, I recommend The Good Place you don't watch that I've watched some um but I'm I, I'm like way behind so it's not um, like when I do watch it or if I ever watch it, it will be in, in the binge binge mode. That's one, that's one for me where I, I, the, I just like those people. It's a real, like, and I like them. Unlike game of Thrones, they're real sort of relaxing. I know they're not going to suddenly start stabbing each other or like, uh, you know, committing incest or anything. It's just like, it's like having that friend group where like, they may not be your best friends, but like whenever they show up, it's like you have a good time for half an hour and then they leave and it's great. So those are my friends. Once these savage uh, medieval friends leave. I found that I, there's a certain type of show I have a hard time connecting with or clicking with. And it's, well, first of all, anything animated that's in the trash. (laughs) Secondly, it's like those really snappy, like dialogue heavy, like the jokes are coming a mile a minute shows. Like I think the good places like that. Um, would you, was that is that fair? Is that a fair characterization? It's fair. I mean, it's it's got that sort of it, Michael Schur's voice is so familiar to me now. I mean, you he's been he's talking about somebody who's been in our lives forever. I mean, I think we both read Fire Joe Morgan twelve years ago or whatever it was, and like I, I, so, I had dinner with those guys actually. Well, I wasn't sure, but it was the other two guys. Alan Yang, who's gone on to create Masters of None with Aziz Ansari. I tried to hire them to be baseball bloggers at Yahoo. And they were like, nah, <laughs> I think we're just going to do more of a TV thing. Like, this blog is a lark. I'm like, you sure? Because I could pay you to write about baseball. And they're like, no, nah, we'll just do The Office. <laughs> well, well, they botched that pretty yeah. badly. I think we can all agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like, so like, to me, it's it's his voice. It's, it's Sher's real sort of easy, like, not quite a joke a minute, but yeah, there's a lot of background jokes. I don't know. He's just got a different tone to me than what, what you're referring to. I'm not great at the rat tat tat either. Yeah. I mean, I love Parks and Rec and The Office. Those are two shows that I did watch every week for their entire series run. But the pacing just felt a little different. I don't know. Something about The Good Place hasn't quite worked for me. Another show like that that is definitely got that pace and like just line after line after line is Veep, which I think can be really funny, but also really exhausting. Yeah, I, I for some reason it didn't catch for me. We tried to watch a couple episodes and it just never took. Um, I think, oh, I think both my wife and I have a real problem uh, divorcing any Arrested Development actors from their Arrested Development roles. Yeah, um, yeah. And we just we have just like not moved on from that. We're really stuck. Well, that's interesting because I think at first I had a hard time with Julia Louis Dreyfus as not you know you know not uh, the Seinfeld character, um, but I don't know. 
It's worked. It's yeah. Evolved. I've solved I've solved that problem by avoiding Seinfeld for going on three decades now. You never watched Seinfeld? Never watched oh, Seinfeld. Uh, Jay, was that possible? Jamie, there if, were like four shows on in the 90s, and that was one of them. Yeah, if I wanted to hear neurotic white Jewish guys whining about stuff, I really didn't need to flip the TV on for it, man. I was I, I was squared away. <laughs> I was like, look at these strange and wonderful creatures. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was good. <laughs>